At least I should have bought him just once. Humans form communities. And from that diversity comes a strength. Now get the hell out of our galaxy! The year is 2024. The name of the podcast, Babylon 5. For the first time. Welcome to Babylon 5 for the first time, not a Star Trek podcast. My name is Jeff Aiken, and I am the one who was. And I'm Brent Allen, and I am the one who will be. And we're watching Babylon 5 for the first time for you, the one who is. We are two veteran Star Trek podcasters searching for the important messages that Babylon 5 is delivering in its own unique way. That's right. We're looking for those Babylon 5 messages, not those Star Trek messages. And since this is not a Star Trek podcast, we've decided to play the rule of three. That limits us to three Star Trek references total per episode. Not a piece, but three references total. That's it. Three. One of those plays. No substitutions, exchanges, or refunds. <laughs> And when you hear us make one of those references, you're going to hear this sound that everybody loves. That's right. Because while we are most definitely not a Star Trek podcast, those references are probably going to slip in from time to time. But we have stricken the rules. Strucken. Struck it. Strikened. Smoked. We have smote the rules. Anyway, along with our game, the rule of three, there is another game that we like to play at the end of the show where we like to guess what next week's episode is going to be about based on title alone. Now, last week, we made a prediction about what the season five as a whole is going to be about, but we also did one for this particular episode. So this is the spot where it is time to play. Time to pay the piper. Jeff, we have a new name for this game. We do. For however many seasons we've been doing this, we've never had a name for this game. We now have a name, and that name is... Time to pay the piper. And this is the spot where we revisit our prediction from last week to see if we got it right. So, Jeff, what did you say No Compromises was going to be about, and how close were you? Thought we were getting a new captain, getting a new XO, and there would be some conflict, probably with the telepaths, to bring him on board. And then we'd see where Sheridan, how he's going to operate as president. And we thought we'd see him set up his cabinet or his uh, board of advisors. Jeff, that's really close. We got a new captain. Mm-hmm. We didn't get a new XO. Unless you stop and think that Lockley is kind of filling the shoes of both Sheridan and Ivanova. So I'm actually giving you credit because I think Lockley is here to fill both shoes. Because, because think about it, what was Sheridan's role as captain prior? Well, he ran command control and ran the station or he had the station, ran the station. Ivanova really ran the station. He was ambassador and then he kind of supervised Ivanova. Hmm. Lockley is here, not as the ambassador. She is here to run the station and be her own supervisor. Sheridan's not looking over her shoulder. At least he shouldn't be. Um, so she, I think she's filling in both commander and XO. Now she's going to need an XO. Mm-hmm. I thought she was going to get Garibaldi by the end. We'll talk about that, but I'm going to give you full credit for that one, Jeff. Uh, also, you said telepaths. Yep. Coming in to start the telepath war thing, which is a hundred percent where we're going. I'm going to give you full marks on that one. What was the other thing? There was a third part. You said Sheridan putting together his cabinet or his board of advisors. He, his first advisor he put in was Michael Garibaldi as the head of uh, Alliance counterintelligence or whatever he called Covert. himself. Mm-hmm. Covert intelligence. So, Full marks for that one. I'm not uh, Jeff. Jeff, my friend, 
I'm going to let you wear the crown this week. At least until you share yours. Oh. What did you guess? Well, I basically, uh, I, I based mine on the uh, the action figures or the dolls, as you so eloquently put it. Uh, I said that I was aware that there was a character we have never met, and her name was Captain Lockley or Loxley. Lockley. Uh, my prediction was we were going to meet her in this episode and that she was here to replace Ivanova uh, or Sheridan as commander of the station, which seems seemed very likely. That's just the tea leaves of the show. Um, I also said that this was going to be kind of the, Hey, let's meet this new character. Kind of like that season two, episode one, when we first met Sheridan, just introduce us to the new character. Um, also I said at the end of season four, they wrapped up pretty much the entire story. So this is going to have to serve to kick off a whole new plot of threads. My guess is it was going to be kicking off the telepath war and the whole Londo emperor eyeball thingy. That's probably where we're going this season. Uh, I was not very specific and very vague. I'm you can you can rate me on that, but however you rate me, I'm gonna let you keep the crown this week because you you win it on your specificity. You are way more specific than I was, and so I'll let you keep it. Well you named like specific, you gave her name, but you did cheat a little bit because you had it on the on the action figure. Yeah. Not cheat. You you leveraged your available resources. There you go. not a spoiler that folks that is not a spoiler because i had no context who she was i just i knew we would meet her at some point for the lockley piece you definitely get full credit because that's what she's coming in like you just talked about she's i mean sheridan even said she's coming in to replace ivanova like that was his line so full marks on that telepaths heck yeah here here we are doing doing that on the the londo stuff there was no i mean londo could have not been in this episode and it wouldn't wouldn't have made a difference um at, at all so uh no, i mean that's good I, I, i'll give you um i'm gonna give you a point eight. all right on this one that's good all right all right jeff definitely wins this particular round well with that jeff for those out there who maybe have not seen this episode in a while and they're just listening to us which is awesome or maybe they've never seen it at all and they're listening to us anyway welcome uh why don't you tell the folks out there what this episode exactly was about imagine If you will, a newly elected president being sworn into office, but there's no oath to swear, no declaration of principles to speak to. Is that person a president at all? Or is the alliance they're leading still more of an idea and not yet fully realized? Well, we're not really going to examine either of those in this episode, at least not very much. Instead, we're going to meet our new captain. Earth Force Captain Elizabeth Lockley arrives on the station to the fanfare of... One, Lieutenant David Corwin. As he leads her around, he brings all the viewers up to speed on the culmination of some important plot points from the last couple seasons, while she makes it crystal clear that she's a by-the-book soldier that believes in process and the effectiveness of chain of command, which honestly gets pretty sticky when she meets with President Sheridan. He explains that he asked for her specifically because she's far from a shoot-first, ask-questions-later kind of a person. Also says he wanted an Earth Force officer to run operations to help help repair the damage done to the reputation of the station back home. He also shares that the Interstellar Alliance is looking to buy the station from EarthGov. Wonder how eager they're going to be to sell that piece of real estate right now. They talk about and agree on a command structure. He's going to handle the political and alliance decisions while she handles everything else. It's a beautiful agreement that lasts all of about 29 minutes. More on that here later. Sheridan, who's splitting time living in his quarters and then in Delenn's, enlists Jakar for his talent of crafting vivaciously vociferous vocalizations 
to write the Alliance's oath of office and declaration of principles. I'm, Jared, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You and I both have young kids. Did you pull that from Captain whatever his name is from from Paw Patrol? <laughs> no, I did not. No. Turbot, right? Like who who does the the alliteration like right. the, like these big huge words? Did you pull that from him? No, it definitely inspired by. I'll say yeah, definitely okay, inspired. Okay, by. I'll, I'll I'll even take inspired by because I was like, wow. Garibaldi, who doesn't work here anymore, but seems to be stepping all over Zach and telling everybody how to do their jobs, is helping with the planning as well. The station is bustling so much they almost miss the commercial stasis bubble floating outside. While they pull it in. They find a dead ranger in it. Franklin does an autopsy, and Captain Lockley swings by. He offers her a cup of coffee, which she drinks and she really enjoys. She tells him as much, and he says, I don't need you to tell me how good my coffee is. I'm the one who buys it. I know how good it is. But what's on my mind at this moment isn't the coffee in my kitchen. It's the dead ranger in my med lab. Now let me ask you a question, Elizabeth. When you drove in here, did you notice a sign out front that said dead ranger storage? Yeah, you did not, because storing dead rangers ain't my business. Actually, actually, all he said was that the person that killed this Anla Shock was a stone-cold perfect killer. And it turns out that dude is on the station and is looking to take out Sheridan. He's not the only new one on the station, though. Byron, and it's just Byron, asks if he and a group of rogue telepaths can start a colony on the station. He's quite powerful, and others have great gifts as well. They offer to earn their keep and not just freeload. If any of this is sounding familiar to you, just swap out telepath and Catholic and we've got Brother Theo and crew again. Except the crew with Brother Theo helped find a guy that was blowing up parts of the station, so they immediately were able to show their value. Oh, wait. No, these telepaths also found the guy that was looking to kill Sheridan. Wow. Almost no similarities there at all. Well, this killer, he was good. He had a great plan. And he would have gotten away with it, too, if it weren't for you darn pesky telepath kids. But dude does not give up easily. He will make Sheridan pay for taking out Clark and ruining everything. In one of the coolest scenes in the series so far, he steals a Star Fury and plops himself right outside the window where Sheridan is about to get sworn in. Garibaldi also steals a Star Fury and comes to the rescue. The day is saved! Garibaldi, on top of trying to run the show, makes the decision to work with Sheridan again. He's been named the head of the Covert Intelligence Division for the Alliance. In his first mission, learn more about Lockley. He asks her the question that Sheridan very openly refused to ask her. Which side were you on in the Earth Civil War? To which she answers, the side of Earth. It's probably not the last we're going to hear on this topic. Two points to close out the episode. First, Remember when I said Sheridan and Lockley's command agreement lasted all of 29 minutes? Well, she denied the telepath's request to stay on the station and start a colony. Sheridan, though, not liking that, unilaterally decides that this is a political decision and grants their request. Maybe not the best way to kick off that relationship. And that oath of office and the declaration of principles? Well, Jakar got it done and made a beautiful tome that was filled with the first page of every Alliance race's holy books. But they shoot past all the pomp, all the circumstance, and Jakar swears Sheridan in with no one but Delenn to witness. Brent, will your initial reaction to this episode result in no compromise as well? 
I have no idea how to answer that question, but I'll just talk about what I thought about this. That's episode. fine. I just come with stupid segues to lead it over to you. It's called good. Um, you know, Jeff, this episode was exactly what I expected it to be. Down down the line, paint by numbers. At the same time, it felt very different, and it surpassed my expectations. I didn't. I did not have high expectations for this episode. I really didn't. I thought it would be very humdrum. Introduce us to the new character. We really didn't get to meet Lockley at all Mm -mm. in this episode. Like she, that was very much like a secondary thing to what was actually happening in the episode. I'm okay with that. This episode though, was very reminiscent. Jeff, do you remember back in season three, the bomber episode convictions? There it is. And it was, you're just like the, cause that that was the, the Londo and Jakar in an elevator episode too. Right. Yep. And it's like, if they would have focused on Londo and Jakar in an elevator and then just let this other thing kind of seep into the background and you're like, what is the point of this whole thing? It's it like, it's like you're focusing on this dude in the bomber plot and there's, it just doesn't feel like it's going to go anywhere. And it didn't really, it just beginning, middle and end. This felt like that episode to me. There's this guy, he's seeking revenge. He's going to try to kill Sheridan. Here he is. By the time he's blown up, he's done. It's there only this episode was way better than convictions. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, it was just better by the time we get to the end of it. And there's a lot of little details I want to pull out a lot of juxtapositions, Jeff, and some things I want to ask you about specifically with how Sheridan handled something compared to how Garibaldi handled it night and day differences on both of those. But we'll talk about that in just a moment at the end though, Jeff, this episode to me also felt very incomplete. It was that same feeling I got in season four, episode one and episode two and episode three and episode four and episode five and episode six, because, well, not episode six, but episode five. I wonder if we're not getting another arc here. Hmm. Are we starting an arc? Because it didn't feel like, yes, there is a discernible beginning, middle and end, but it also felt like there's a lot more to come. We have not actually explored what we really needed to explore. We just sort of, put people in place and like, Hey, Sheridan's now the president and here's the person running the station. And, Oh, we finally found a spot for Garibaldi to give us a good excuse for him still hanging around because you know what I, uh, and I'll end with this. You know what I loved about what they did with Garibaldi Hmm. when Garibaldi went away, they promoted Zach. And when Garibaldi came back, they didn't demote him. That happened on another show. And it bugs me to this day. Captain Picard gets taken away from the enterprise and Riker gets promoted to captain, not field command, not acting captain. He got promoted to captain. And an episode later, when Picard came back, he gets Picard's the captain again. And Riker gets demoted back to commander. No, that doesn't fly that. And you're a military guy, Jeff. I, I imagine that does not work once that happens, right? Like you, you can't put the bunny back in the cage, I guess. Uh, so I'll let you speak to that. But, you know, yeah, so I, I love that they allowed Zach to stay as a security chief and gave Garibaldi a new role. Stand by. We'll be right back. Are you ready to take your Babylon 5 for the first time experience to the next level? With our exclusive Patreon you'll get access to all kinds of cool stuff that you can only find there. Our recording notes, unedited reaction videos, an exclusive Discord community. And you can even be listed as a producer of the show. 
Plus, we even offer exclusive meet and greets and hangouts. You won't find this kind of experience anywhere else. Get all these amazing benefits, plus the opportunity to interact with other fans from around the world. It's being part of a huge community where everyone shares the same appreciation for Babylon 5. Subscribe at patreon.com slash Babylon 5 first. That's the number five in the word first to get access to these incredible benefits. That's patreon.com slash Babylon 5 first. We can't wait to see you there. Even though they let Garibaldi tell him how to do his job. But again, Zach still was just like, dude, I know, like, back off. They didn't let Garibaldi tell him how to do his job because Zach stood up. It's like, dude, like he, Zach let him talk, but he's like, dude, back off. Zach stood up for himself. I, I appreciate that. Zach's yeah. great. How about you, Jeff? This is a really fun episode of TV. Like it was, it was great. It was fun. I, I, I enjoyed this episode. Uh, like it, at one point, like I literally was just like, cause you knew some stuff was coming. This was, this didn't have shocks or surprises in it necessarily. Uh-huh. It's Babylon five season openers. Aren't huge. Go, go. Like they kind of like they reset the, the game board, you know, in, right. in a way. And that's, that's what this was doing. Did it really well. But there was like the point that I just, I mean, I just, yes. <laughs> as soon as that star fairy came up, <laughs> you knew it was coming, but it didn't. I'm like, this is awesome. But that was also probably a point they wouldn't have wanted people to cheer. You know, oh, they're going to kill the president, but what a cool way to do it. <laughs> right. But I, I think you made this point also, but I, I drilled down a little more. Like there were direct, I think a thing Babylon 5 also does is it has an idea for a story or a mechanism or something like that that it tries. Mm-hmm. And then it goes, uh, hey, we're better at these things now. I want to try it again. We got that with believers into confessions and lamentations, right? Just the whole medical thing. I hated, we all hated that episode, but also loved it uh, right. for what it was. We got that, and people won't agree with me here, but we got that in Comes the Inquisitor and Intersections in Real Time. Like, did it really poorly one time and then did it in a masterpiece kind of a way later uh-huh. on. I think they did that with plot points here. Uh, Byron and Brother Theo. The, the 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 connection there that's the other convictions piece you know and coming on board we're going to provide value do these things we have a new station captain coming on as a call back to matters of honor we have someone planning on assassinating a world leader in the banquet hall which is right out of the coming of shadows uh with jakar and emperor turhan and then trying to kill a president on the station which was survivors mm. and on top of that brent they kill the kid they kill. What is wrong with JMS and killing kids? Now I know people are like, he was a teenager. He was a kid. He's a kid. He was special. Mm. He was special, and they killed him. But what I'm hoping is that this is basically season one, episode one for TNT. Right? They have to reestablish a lot of stuff. They know they've got new viewers tuning in. That's right. So we're going to grab you by the hand. We're going to, we're going to help ease you into this world a little bit. And starting next week, we're going to kind of pick things up again and pick up some of those plot points and run. I forgot that we were on a new network. Does this, does, do things look a little shinier? Like, did they get a bigger budget moving over to TNT? I don't know. I, I would say, I would say the lighting on the station seems Brighter? Yeah, shinier, brighter. Yeah. Not not dramatically. Season one to season two was a dramatic change sure. in production values. 
This one wasn't dramatic, but it just, yeah, it has a professional sheen to it. More now. so than what it had before. Yeah. Because like, I was even noticing like the CGI with the station and stuff outside, like the station looked really good. Like, do you remember Jeff? Gosh, has it been over a year now? When we first got those pictures of the new animated Babylon five. Yeah. Like, yeah. Station. And I was like, it didn't look animated, but it looked re- remember when we saw there's like, wow, that's beautiful. Like, that's really good. It looked really good. Mm-hmm. It, it just, I don't know. Like it just felt different. Like, like, you, like the difference between they, they started shooting everything in high def in yeah. this episode. Yeah. You know, or something. I don't know. I, I can't put my finger on. It. I don't know what it, what it is, but definitely a step up production wise. It looked and felt good. So I was surprised. I was shocked in this episode. Really? I was I was surprised that Corwin was still there. Okay. You you had the whole idea that Corwin had some had some shenanigans going on. Well, I, I thought he was 100% on on Clark's side during the Civil War. Or or not even necessarily on Clark's side as much as like he's on Earth's side. Like like you know, you could say Sheridan was on Earth's side because he kind of was, but then there was Earth's side. Like, you know, uh, he was a loyalist, so to speak that and, or he, or he just wasn't okay with the methods like because he that scene you referenced was sheridan and ivanova talking about doing stuff and he had yeah. that look on his face like and he's looking around at other people on the bridge like are we really are we like it just looked like something was happening i thought for sure but now i mean corin's effectively running babylon five like he's the guy yeah. ivanova's gone sheridan's doing his president thing garibaldi's out zach's doing his security thing anyway he still doesn't get a uniform, though. He's still a mater d at some local restaurant. Awful looking thing. But but I I I, I liked though. I I found some really interesting things that you know he did a great job bringing her on board. You know and trying to like, hey, I'm just trying to ease your transition as much as possible or whatever. But it was another uh, callback because when Sheridan first came on board in Matters of Honor, a similar thing happened, and Ivanova was the only one there to meet him because he showed up early. And they weren't prepared. And she showed up last minute, you know, kind of brushing herself off to look professional. And she's like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. We all should have been here. And he's like, that's ah, cool. Whatever. I'm early. It's cool. Right. She rolls up and she's like, dude, where's my where's my reception? Where's the band? Like, I, I, I have some theories on Lockley. And I feel like they started from go with painting her as uh, I'm a big deal. I'm a captain. I'm better at my job than anybody else. And you need to acknowledge that. I didn't get that feeling from her at all. Really? I I got the, I'm a captain. I'm good at my job. I'm confident in who I am. I'm a hard nosed person. I, I'm going to run a tight ship. You're not going to understand this reference, Jeff, but to my Stargate fans out there, specifically Stargate Atlantis season five, a character named Woolsey comes in and you're going to love Woolsey when you meet him, Jeff. Uh, and he's going to be very familiar to you. Uh, but a character named Woolsey comes in and he takes over command of what they're doing with Stargate Atlantis. So like there's the, the group that goes out and does a little soldiering thing. And then there's command. He takes mm. over command and he introduces, and he's not a bad guy, but he's on, he, he brings a different set of priorities and values to the organization and it it introduces that that dramatic conflict into the station that honestly didn't exist before and it made for some it made for some of the best episodes of the whole series and i feel like that's lockley she reminded me of jellico she reminded me of um oh, oh she what was it oh uh shelby 
when Shelby came in, uh, both mm-hmm. again, TNG references. Uh, I, oh, is that is that one or two? I don't know if you're going to count that. I'm going to count all as one because we'll only have one more left after this. Uh huh. Well, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> you better get yours in, Jeff, because I'm stealing them all as they come up. But it, it reminded me of that like, like she's good. She does what she does. She's really good, but she does it in a, she's by the book. She's down the line and she does it that way because it works. I, I, when Sheridan came on board, uh-huh. th- there was a point where uh, Ivanov and Garibaldi were talking about, I forget the episode exactly that it was in, but where, cause they were at Earhart's and they like Garibaldi said he went and looked in his file, you know? And then she's like, you can't look in his file. And he's like, well, I like to know the people that I'm working with. But they talked about how, you know, he, he's a, he's a, he runs a tight ship. He's very efficient as a captain. He wants to put these things into place and, mm-hmm. um, you know, talked about those things, but at no point did he come on board and be like, oh my God, you ragtag, just, you know, skid row looking, whatever is, this is awful. Those were like the sixth and seventh words out of Lockley's mouth were just like, yeah, I've read the reports. This place is a dump. Um, it's not going to be that way anymore. Oh, well, there's more to it. Well, then that's, it makes it even worse. Like. You don't come in and talk trash about the prior leadership, especially when you know that prior leadership is going to be just down the hall right. from you and you've got to develop a relationship there. I think like it's hard because you do want to come in and have that confidence and that bravado that a captain brings, but you don't do that by bagging on the prior leadership. And she was, she made no, talking to just Lieutenant dude uh-huh. and burying his prior command that that's, I think that's what got me wrong with her. See, I 100% see why you're saying that. And yes, that's what she did. That's not at all how I took it, though. Like, it, I didn't take it as her her bearing the prior command. She's assessing a situation and calling it down the line. And you know what she doesn't have? She doesn't have any, and I mean any, of the nostalgia for the prior command. You know what I mean? Like, like mm-hmm. to, to her, it either works or it doesn't work. And it's that black and white for her. There is no, like, got to be worrying about people's feelings. She, she's just not there yet, you know? So I, I, you know, I, I liked her kind of coming in and, and she's having this conversation with Corin, not with someone else. And you got to imagine, like you're coming in as a, as a commander of a new station, you expect more than just your Lieutenant to come and meet you and walk you through the station. Your first response is like, wow, well, how's this place actually being ran? All right, well, I'm going to establish right here. We're going to run this thing better. And I, I remember walking into a pizza restaurant a corporate pizza restaurant. They haven't paid me any money in a very long time. So I'm not going to say their name, but, uh, uh, you know, it, it Joppa ponds. We'll, we'll just call it that Joppa ponds. And, uh, you know, I walked into this Joppa ponds and the store was an awful store. It, the, the stuff it, and, and I looked at it and went this store, uh, the, the I remember the market was there's 19 stores and it ranked 17th. Ooh. And I looked at the whole thing. I was like, this store should be number three. It was not going to be one. It wasn't going to be two, but it could have been three. And, and I took, I was like six weeks. I took it up to like number five, you know, but how did I do it? It's because I, I came in and I retrained everybody and we got back to the book. So that's all I saw from her. Like was just a, maybe, maybe I was applying that, that situation. Yeah. But I, I still think approach is a big deal there. Cause you come in and you're like, Hey, where is everybody? Oh, well, the, step one shouldn't be, uh, I was expecting more than this. It should be. Is everything okay? Because this was right. the plan and this isn't what's happening. Go in and, and do that. And then again, I, I think there's a real, I, I have a real problem when, especially when you're brand new and here's someone who's going to be reporting to you either through a subordinate or directly. Mm-hmm. 
and you don't come in and say this stuff was not good enough, so we're going to do it better. You just come in and you say we're going to do it better. There's a huge difference in that because if I'm Corwin, like I, in a way, she she insulted him, right? Because he was a part of how things were run, and so she's saying to him, "Hey, everything you did up this point wasn't good enough. Mm. I'm going to come in. I'm going to make you do things better." This isn't like mortal sin kind of stuff, but I know when I've coached people or when I've come into a new place, I'm like, yeah, even if, even if the last, you know, leadership or whatever was a nightmare, that's not your story to tell. Your story is the future. But that said, I do have to say Tracy Scroggins who plays Lockley. Yep. Man, she's got like, I bought her a hundred percent as a captain. And that she's been doing this for a while. Yeah. 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 I, I could tell she was still kind of getting her mouth around some of the dialogue, you know, and just some of the, the stuff, sure. but I mean, that's expected, but just the way she carried herself, her tone of voice, everything. Yeah. This is an experienced, experienced commander. She, she came in, she came in ready for this role. So with that, I want to get your take on her meeting with Sheridan. She comes in and, and they're having their conversation, having their conversation, but eventually she looks at him and she's like, okay, what are we doing here? We need to define some roles here. Cause and she said, she's like, I'm not, I'm not interested in being your mouthpiece. That's not going to work. What are we doing? Like she, she forced that conversation. Take me through your thoughts of that. Oh, leadership guru. It was beautiful. It was so good. Sher- Sheridan's clearly not going to bring it up. Sheridan is cool. You're in this role. We're going to be good, right? Everything's fine. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll take it as it comes. And it's very clear she doesn't run that way, so she forced the conversation. And I think that's you have to do that. I think I've shared on here before, and if I hadn't, um, here's some cool information. But uh, my incredible wife, who we've talked about here a couple times on the podcast, she is she's a powerhouse. And a thing about powerhouses, and especially I'll just say it, especially women that are powerhouses, um, managers don't know how to work with them. Um, peers, if you're in a leadership position, sometimes are intimidated or don't know how to do things. She went and created a slide deck, how to work with me. Basically like, here's my style. Here's things, you know, here's what works for me. Here's what doesn't work for me. Here are some things I've achieved that I'm really proud of here that, you know, just kind of just a couple pages, a short slide deck, but she can give it to her manager, her peers, anybody, and just be like, here's me. This is what it's like to work with me. And I think in a big way, that's what Lockley did here. Hey, you asked for me. You wanted me here. This is how I operate. And I love too how she just, she's like, and if this doesn't work, I'm out. Like I, I'm not going to comp, no compromises, right? I'm not going to sit and compromise what I want just because you offered me this command. And I love that she forced the issue too on just who owns what decisions. Yeah. Decision-making that's leadership, right? Like as a job, the thing that separates me as a person in a job with a leadership title from the person showing up every day and, and doing the work. The difference is I'm expected to make decisions. But what I, what I do, my leadership style, is I encourage people to make the decisions that impact their work. But I have to be crystal clear on where those lines are, right? I don't want persons showing up to do the work every day to write a check for one and a half million dollars for software as a service. You know, like that's my job. And there's a process for that. I'm going to include them in that process. But my decision to spend that money. It's my responsibility. You need to have that clearly defined. And that's all she was looking for. What are the expectations? How are we doing this? It's good. I also very much appreciated it. Again, I remember I was in a situation similar to this uh, a while ago 
you know, and, and I was within an organization where they talked about, we, you know, we empower our leaders. We, we give them real authority. We really empower them. And, and, and we were, we were actually leading a leadership conference where we were going to be teaching these things. And I'd been down the road before with this group and you know what? They talked a big game. They didn't really do it because every decision had to be ran up to the pole, to the top people to come back down every decision. And, you know, and, and, and they, they asked me to come in for this last deal. And I said, okay, I will, I will come run this, this department for you. I will come do this piece and and lead this whole wing. Like I'll do it. I said, however, I need decision-making power. I need actual decision-making power. I need the budget and I need to be the one who's able to make the call of where we go. And they said, no, thank you. And I said, then that's your answer. And I walked away because of that exact, uh, that exact thing. I loved watching her say, Hey, I need to know where we are with this because I'm not interested in just being a mouthpiece. I'm not interested in being a, a, a prop for you. And I love Sheridan's thing. He, he looked at it. He said, cool. Anything that has to do with, with politics, that's me. And you take the rest of the station, by the way, let's fast forward to the end, the decision he made with the uh, telepaths. Let me give you mine. And I want to hear yours. Okay. I think Sheridan was absolutely right to do what he did because I don't think it was Lockley Lockley's decision to admit the, the telepaths to the station. That was a, they're trying to start a colony. That's a, that's a, that's a new group. That's a new, a new deal. Sheridan, if that's his decision, he gets to allow that to happen. Maybe it didn't necessarily have to happen on Babylon five, but whatever. But I think, I think that should have been more Sheridan's decision. Uh, Although I do think he should have consulted Lockley about it first. Cause I agree that it was a, his decision. And I, and I think that's, that's the piece they didn't talk through. And here's the first thing and how they handle this. I think we'll say, we'll, 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 we'll define a lot of how their relationship works. Byron should have come in and be like, no, she denied, denied my, uh, you know, our request. I'm really sorry to hear that. How much longer are you all here for? You know, what's, what's your, what's your plan? Oh, okay, cool. Great. Hey, thanks again. You know, your guy really did me a solid. Hey, Captain Lockley, got a second? Listen, here's this thing that came up. This is why I think this should have been my call. And here's the call I'm going to, I'm going to make, uh, for this, but let's talk about it. Let's, you know, let's, let's, let's talk about it. The flip side to that though, is she probably should have gone to Sheridan initially and been like, Hey, so the telepaths have made this, this request. I have these feelings. I, I, I kind of a middle, middle of the ground thing, right? Like it covers both areas. So it's like, Hey, they want to provide value. They want to work for us. They want to whatever, but that conversation should have happened. One of the two of them should have stepped up to have it. Neither of them did. And from day one, now we've got the, We've got conflict between them, potential conflict between them. Do you you think this is going to result in conflict between them? And this is going to bring those questions to the, to the thing, uh, to the, to the station, to the show. I think it is. Or are they going to gloss over this? I think this is going to be one of many. I think, I think, is it, do you think it's going to lead to, to it being a contentious relationship between the two or just, uh, uh, oh, Jeff. Oh, oh, I could pull the third reference, but I'm not going to, uh, or, or just, uh, Hey, we just have two differences of opinion and, and we we're working through it. So I think it's gonna be part of a bigger story with them. Okay. Cause I don't know. I don't know if we want to go to the, what side she was on yet. Converse conversation yet. If it's, if it, if it, if it affects it, yeah, let's do it. Go there. So what, what, what side do you think she was on in the, in the war? 
Uh, she was on Earth's side. Yeah, she was. That's true. As I as I said earlier, though, Earth really means President Clark's side. She she was a loyalist, and it's not even President Clark. She was a loyalist. She signed up for the military. This is what her commanders told her to do. This is who was in charge. She served the office of the president, not necessarily the person sitting in that office. And she was honor bound and oath bound to do what he told her to do. Well, let me ask you this, because we saw we saw a lot of those captains in the last part of season four. And many of them, when given the option, defected. Yeah. If she were commanding a destroyer and came up in a battle against the White Star Fleet, what do you think she would have done? Given her personality of how by the book she is, I don't think she would have. I, I don't. I don't think she would have um, come over to the other side. I think. She, do you, Do you remember the 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 admiral who was like in command of the one ship, and he had like his like they brought him in mm, yeah. because he knew Sheridan, and by the end, like the rest of his people were like, "Yeah, we're gonna not let you do this." Yeah, it was the the guy from Scrubs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think she would have been that group that was like, yeah, we're not going to let you do this. Like, like we'll follow you. We'll do this until this goes over because I don't think she would have been interested in killing her own people, but I think she would have done what she needed to do to get the job done. She would not have been, they're just the enemy. They're faceless, nameless, destroy them at all costs. I don't think she would have been that way, but I think she would have been, if you engage, I'm going to shoot back, Yeah, but we're going to do what we need to do here. Cause I think that's going to be the conflict with them that will be under underlining things. Cause I, I appreciate Sheridan coming from the place of, I don't care what side you were on. Yeah. I'm in inter- to, to the, to the other point where, where Lockley's taking the time to point out the flaws in the current run mm-hmm. versus he's not, he's just like, we're worried about the future. I'm not going to dwell on that. We're moving forward. I yeah. love that about what he did. It's gonna, it's gonna, these things that come up though, I think are going to feed that conflict where she's, she is, in my opinion, she was going to be a loyalist. I like that. I like that term for it where she was a loyalist and whatever. I also go a step further jumping our plots here a little bit. I think she was in on the assassination attempt of, of Sheridan. So in the scene, they've gotten that really corny text message. And then the voicemail that came through and they're trying to figure out who it is. And they have that meeting where Garibaldi and everybody, even Londo is like, you got to cancel. You got to reschedule this inauguration. You can't do it. Or we have to have security so far out the wazoo that we're strip searching everybody. Like those are your choices. And Sheridan's like, no, like we're not going to do that. We can't live in fear the whole time. And they're arguing back and forth. And then there's a pause And then Lockley says, I agree with Captain Sheridan. And then there's this big music sting. Bum, bum, bum. And this dark music starts playing as she explains that she agrees. And I'm like, she agrees because she wants the assassination to continue. She served with dude. She was a loyalist. And I think that she was a part of this whole thing. And there's going to be a coming out. They're going to have to like. So is she bad? Are you saying she's actually legitimately a bad character, like an evil character? I think, I think she's going to cheat. Yes. I think right now, episode one, she's an evil character. I think that her arc over season five, the first half of season five is my actual guess is going to be her coming to be like, dude, these people are great. And I was wrong and I'm going to grow and I'm going to change. I'm going to see things like she's going to have a really cool character growth arc. But I think it's going to start off with her being she's she's a villain. Jeff, I got to tell you what. First, I think you're a hundred percent wrong on that. I think you are dead wrong. Second, I hope you are a thousand percent right. 
because I would love to see that story. The fact that Sherry, you know, I noticed she didn't ask which side I was on. He's like, you're right. I didn't. And he walked away. Garibaldi knew enough to ask, but Sheridan was like, I don't care. And, and I get what Sheridan's going for. Like Sheridan's a politician. Like, look, it doesn't, we're all united again. Mm -hmm. We're back together. It doesn't matter. That was then this is now I hope that that's who she is. And she's like going to wind up having to save him instead of kill him or whatever. Like I, 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 Oh, Jeff, I hope that's what it is. She, she wasn't even at the, she wasn't even at the inauguration. She wasn't there. You know why she wasn't there? Cause there was going to be some, there's going to be some shooting and she didn't want to be around for it. I, I, Jeff, I think you're, I think you're way reading too much into all of that. I think you're wrong. I think she just understood it from Sheridan. She thinks like a captain and Sheridan's still thinking like a captain. And I, I think she was right. Like there's no, you don't postpone this for that. We've got to move through it because he's always going to have assassination attempts going on with his life. Like he just is. I think I would agree if they didn't have the music sting and if she had been at the inauguration, but the music sting to me was just like, wow, that was, and, it, and it's not just like a, oh, there's some soundtrack here. It's bum, bum, bum. Like it's dark, heavy stuff. I hope you're right. I think you're wrong, but I hope you're right. So can I, can I change topics on you all, all the way around? Yes, do it. The game ambassador. I don't know if we've really ever heard the game talk if beyond a single line here and there. I don't know that we've ever really heard them, but we heard a full conversation between her and Delenn. Twice she said, or I'm assuming it was a she, I don't, I don't know, but twice the game ambassador said the queens, may the queens be with you or may the queens protect you or whatever. She talked about the queens. And then later we got a shot of the game ambassador taking the helmet off. Was it an ant or the game ants? Maybe. Did you remember that insect guy we had back in season one, Grath or whatever his name was? Negrath, Negrath. Yeah, I actually, the first time I watched it, I, I, that's why I was just like, is that, oh no, Negrath had like fly eyes with the stuff on him. These are smooth eyes, but yeah. totally had the hand, like the hand mouth thing going on and like a lot, maybe they are ants. That would, because they even said they're, they're high, like someone mentioned, you know, with their hive and they're this and oh. yeah, maybe they are ants. I'm just saying they you got the game ants. You got the whatever Negrath flies like, and I'm not saying they have to be exactly ants, but like of that sort of vibe, they got to wear an exoskeleton sort yeah. of a thing. And yeah, no, that kind of makes sense. I like that. The game, they kind of kind of reminded me of ants. That's all I'm saying. And it would make that whole idea of uh, Queens, the hive and all that sort of stuff. Like it just makes that make more sense. Mm hmm. Uh, another thing I noticed in this one, um, something that we have not seen yet to date in Babylon five, and it has bugged me all the time. It's the same thing that bugs me about other shows that have open communicators that everyone can just hear what you're saying. Zach had an earpiece to have a private conversation about the dude who, by the way, was right over his shoulder. Like finally. And right. when did he get an earpiece that looked straight out of 1997? Totally. Yeah. Uh, oh, here's the other thing. So Garibaldi, how does he still have an office on Babylon five with full access to the computer to do all that research he was doing full access to all the security records access to a star theory. Yeah. That he can just go to, and here's the other thing too. Did you notice the Daffy duck on his star theory? Oh no. Huh? It's his star theory. So if we walk through just history a little bit. Yeah, he's outside. There's the shadows. There's all this stuff. He's in the star fury shadow abducts him and his star fury heads off. And we're like, what happened? 
to Miss Whatever Happened to Mr. Garibaldi. And in that exact episode, we find out there's shrapnel and pieces of his Star Fury being sold on the black market. So it was blowed up. His ship was blowed up. Right. Then he would come back and he quits his job. But then he has his own Star Fury, which he can just waltz in without a spacesuit on or a job or anything and just fly his Star Fury. He doesn't, he doesn't need a, 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 a pilot outfit on for any kind of whatever. I appreciate that he called that out. Wow, if anything yeah. happens to this cockpit, I'm, I'm toast. But still, like, two dudes just waltzed in and took Star Furies. <laughs> what's, what's happening here? And all that with Garibaldi sitting in the security office. How did two guys walk into that area and just steal the keys to the Star Furies and go? Mind blowing to me. Mind blowing. Do the do the Star Fury pilots share a, a public locker room with everyone else? Isn't that behind some lock and key? You gotta show an ID to get behind. You gotta authorize, like open the Star Fury bays. There's like a whole, there's a whole launch sequence that we love watching, but it involves C and C multiple people. Doesn't somebody up in the control thing have to hit the button to make them go. I mean, it, it, as I was watching and, and as I think about it, it's like, this is so ridiculous, but honestly, Brent, it is all forgiven in that moment, that scene where they're in the rotunda and the windows are in that star fury just comes up and you're like, yes, this is awesome. Right. <laughs> Right. Uh, which also was very reminiscent of something else that I'm not going to reference right now. Anyway. Uh, okay. Well, let's, let's go to that. We have the inauguration scene. Finally, finally getting the official inauguration. Sheridan goes to Jakar, asks Jakar to become Thomas Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Come right all this, which by the way is amazing. I loved, loved how absolutely giddy Jakar became at getting asked to do this writing. Like, yes, yes, I will do this. And Sheridan was right. It's like, you have waxed so eloquently in the ambassador council chambers from time to time. You're going to be the man to write this. Like, I was like, right on Sheridan to where he uses, uh, he gets all the way to the end. He's so frustrated that he's like, here, put your hand on this thing. Do you, are, are you going to be the president? Okay, cool. You're done. Like, you know, uh, what, what was it? Spaceballs, Jeff, that uh, you had the guy trying to marry yeah people throughout the course of the 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 movie and he's like fine do you do you okay great you're married go on <laughs> yep that is good no the whole thing the whole thing with Jakar was so good i i thought it was like from a meta standpoint kind of kind of funny where jms is writing all of this dialogue so right. jms basically sat down and he wrote hey Jakar, remember those words i put in your mouth in other seasons yeah those were great those were really good weren't they <laughs> it's like yeah, waiting that little self self congratulatory there, but he's not wrong. Did it was Jakar's makeup different? No, he just looked um, lighter. I don't know. I, I think that's a part of the what we were saying about the whole station. Everything. Yeah, it just the station looks brighter. But I did love how excited he was too. That was like going back to early ish, mid ish season three after he had um, had his epiphany with uh, with Jaquan and Jalan. And, you know, began, began his whole uh, religious journey, but he was so eager to help people, you know, and I, I'm going to do that. And I, it was cool how he was, he was there for that. And I loved the idea of the front, the first page of all the holy books for the thing. That's great. That's super good. But it was funny when he did the, do you really want to be president? Yeah. Well, put your hand on the book and say, I do. Okay. Done. I literally had that job interview once. So. <laughs> 
I was working for a, a, a group and we got a grant. We got a grant of about $3 million to do some cool stuff. And it became apparent within about eight minutes that we were going to need somebody specifically to manage this grant and the activities around it. So I wrote the job description and got it all ready. And as I was doing it, I'm just like, God, I would love to do this. I, I, I can do this so well. So I was going to report to my position. And so like, it's almost a demotion. Uh, it was a demotion cause it wasn't just a management job. It's a project manager job. So I went to my boss and I was like, Hey, I want to apply for this job is what I want to do. So I can't, I can't, you know, run the recruitment stuff. And so they agreed to do it. And so no one applied for the job except for me. And so one day they just walked by my desk and they said, Hey, do you really want to be the grant manager? I said, I do. Cool. That's your interview. Done. <laughs> when do you, when can you start? <laughs> and I was like, sweet. But it was just, yeah, that, that scene really, really hit me with that. But it also, I think kind of spoke a lot to just the whole thing, like the whole Alliance thing, there, there's just things that and people you've said this other people in the community have said like Jeff lay off you're, you're digging too deep, but back in rising star, Delenn described him as the newly and duly elected president of the interstellar Alliance. How did they run elections? How did that happen? Well, I, I can answer that one. I know exactly. Uh, they got together in the council chamber. And everybody's like, is this what we want to do? Everybody vote. Okay. Uh, is president is going to be Sheridan? Because of course it's going to be Sheridan. Everybody good? All right, cool. That's the election. Like the, the original elections of the United States of America consisted of like 20 people. Uh-huh. Yeah. In a room. Like the whole country. It was like 20 people. So you got that piece. There's no oath. There's no anything. There's no structure. You got to create it. Which is fine. But you create those that, I don't know. It's just as a structure guy, a process guy, those things should be in place. That's sh stuff should be happening. But all of that said, I think it says a lot about the ceremony that we place among these things. You know, like we have to do this. We have to have these things happen. But really at the end of the day, do you want it? Yep. Did somebody see you say that you wanted it? Yep. Cool. We're done. Get to work. Go. I did find Delenn's Delenn and Londo played interesting roles. I thought in this episode, where Londo was just kind of characters. Yeah. Londo was just characters with lines. Londo was just there. Yeah. Just there. Delenn though, Delenn served two purposes outside of the conversation around how their living situation or whatever. But outside of that, she served two purposes. One was to ask, I think super naive questions like, or, or statements around, but, but that's the way things have always been done. Yeah. I hated that for her. That, that was so backwards for her. Mm -hmm. Like, like, oh. And then the rest of the time, she just looked around looking very confused. That, that's what Delenn did. You said in the season four wrap-up, you said, I sure hope that Delenn doesn't just become First Lady and Mrs. Sheridan. And season five, episode one, that's, that's all she, she is. is. That's all she is. That's what she is. Yep, I agree. Want to talk about these telepaths? I was going to say, we have to talk about telepaths, and, and, and we're good. So... Uh, here, all I can say, I don't know if anybody's going to catch this reference. Sunshine. Sunshine. You have no idea. Oh, God. You ever seen, remember the Titans? Oh, a long time ago. Yeah. yeah the, when the, the quarterback pulls up and he's, he's the hippie guy, he's got the long blonde hair and the sunshine. Cause I didn't, I didn't know his name was Byron. Like I didn't catch that his name was Byron until the very end. We're like Byron, Mr. Byron, Lord Byron. No, just Byron. I was like, oh, okay. Oh yeah. Now I, now I see where you're going. Now he's Byron. Okay, cool. But I'm going to call him Sunshine. You got to say it that way, though. 
That's such a great movie. I got to go back and watch that. That's remember the Titans is a great movie. Yes. Yeah. They, they, he was like, it was cool how he saw Lockley and then just had a whole conversation in her mind with her. That was cool. That was cool. Like just from a like, wow, that's neat. Also, dude, you're not making a good case for unregulated telepaths no. right now. No. Cause that, that, I mean, that was my first thing. I was like, well, you're not supposed to do that as a telepath. Like you just went into her mind without her permission like you're standing there being all creepy as all get out and gee. and then he sits down and he says the geometries that circumscribe your waking life i literally like i i think i said this about lanier when he first came on i'm gonna say it about byron now i just wanted to punch him in the face uh i'm just like dude you are not a likable person i agree i agree the whole thing about the telepaths to me though jeff is we know there's supposed to be a telepath war. We learned that last season. I was so glad that they called it out at the beginning of this season so we don't have to pretend like nobody knows. Like Sheridan said, we know that there's a coming war with the telepaths. We know it's going to happen. Uh, it would be nice to have these guys on our side. I am going to relate this back, though, to when we saw deconstruction of a star or falling star or whatever, and they were they were in the future, and the the line they said at some point was, what one of the the missteps that Sheridan made was allowing the telepaths to stay on Babylon five, which is what we just saw. Yeah. They said it was his biggest mistake was to let them stay on Babylon five. Now I'm watching this in, in this moment. I'm going, actually, it seems like the right call. You're looking, you're looking back 2020. I don't know what's going to happen, but it seems like he's playing right into history. And I, I'm, I'm super into this, where this telepath war thing is going right now. Yeah, that'd be fascinating. I, I think what I'm, where I, I'm, I'm shocked and what supports your point of Lockley not being a villain huh? is if she's earth force. And if she's like loyalist earth force, mm -hmm. the second Byron got into her mind, she's calling up Bester and Psychor and being like, yep, got a crew of blips for you right here. I'll hold them as long as it takes. Yeah, I'll have them right here. Come get them, boy. But she was actually super compassionate. Like when she went and met with them, you know, she was very gracious to Simon, offered medical care. I thought she showed great compassion in her meeting after she did the smartest thing I've ever seen a captain do, which was not go to the place alone. Right. Like Sinclair, Sheridan, they would have gone alone. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you said you could have done, so we got to come alone. She's like, no, no, I don't. Uh, no. Yeah, I have guns. We're we're good. <laughs> uh, I saw what you did. I'm not coming. The the idea though that the other guy is just a dude who happens to be a telepath. He's not a military guy, like because he could have seen that coming, you know. Uh, but yeah, no, I had a note. I I loved that as well. I really did. Well, Jeff, I, I guess with that, that's going to bring us down to the spot of the show where we do try to see what important messages Babylon five is trying to tell us, uh, Jeff, we're going to take a look at this and we are going to, uh, discuss these messages that Babylon five is bringing up as good sci-fi does Jeff. You're going to do that by ranking this episode on a scale of zero to five white stars, as far as how strong the message is and how Babylon five, it was delivered. Jeff, what do you got for us? If more of our so-called leaders would walk the same streets as the people who voted them in, live in the same buildings, eat the same food instead of hiding behind glass and steel and bodyguards, maybe we'd get better leadership and a little more concern for the future. 
And of course, Franklin was the first one to poop on that really cool statement that he made. Yeah, it's true, but... But, oh my God, he's so right. So right. I've talked before about, uh, you know, because I think a conversation that we had actually on our Discord, um, which you can access our Discord through our Patreon, patreon.com slash Babylon 5, first, the number five, the word first. We had a conversation on Patreon a while ago about leaders that you look up to. And people were naming, as they often do, these political leaders. And I was like, I don't look up to political leaders. Um, I understand what they had to do oftentimes to get in those positions. And that makes them people I don't look up to. I look up to this guy that I uh, reported to when I worked at a buffet, you know, or I looked at this guy who I reported to when, you know, I was working for this public sector organization, like people just managers doing their work. And I've talked about the idea of the Gemba going to the place and observing work that's happening, going and seeing what it's like, the people you lead, whether you're elected or it's your job or whatever, walk in their shoes, connect with them, do those things. And yeah, everything will be better. But I'm not going to talk about it a whole lot because they didn't do that either in this episode. It was a really cool line that fed Sheridan's decision to continue with the inauguration. It's also a pretty core piece of who Sheridan is. Like Sheridan has never been afraid to go walk amongst the people. I mean, that's why the whole, um, you know, the whole blow up thing happened in the fall of night when, you know, he, I'm going to just. I'm just going to go ahead and get on this tram by myself because that's how people get around on Babylon 5. It was a cool line. It's who Sheridan is. It was not the point of this episode. I'm giving this one one and a half white stars. That is the exact line that I pulled. I wrote it down word for word just as you quoted it. It is a thousand percent accurate. And one and a half is probably about as high as I could go as well. Well, I had to do that. Brent, you've got a really difficult job at this point. Because we are creating the absolute, 100% completely definitive and accurate ranking of the fifth season of Babylon 5. And you, my friend, need to rank no compromises. Where are you putting this one? Jeff, this one I've been thinking about for a very long time. I'll bet. I've been thinking about it all episode long. I want to make sure I get it in exactly the right spot. It's a tough call. Yes. Uh, So I am going to, right here at the outset of the season... Jeff, this is, this was, you, you and I both like this episode. This is our, this is the best episode of the season so far. This is our number one. Absolutely. I, there, I have not seen an episode of Babylon five in the fifth season that I've enjoyed more than this one at all. I can say this, Jeff, is this true? Is this our favorite season opener of the five? No. Season fours. Hour of the wolf hands down for me. Yep. Yep. You're right. This is number two though, for me. Really? Yeah, because I remember the season three uh, opener, and that was right after Kosh revealed himself and all that. And I remember that episode just felt very much like the, okay, this is the next episode. This is the next week. Like there was there was nothing like, here's a new episode or here's a new season. And the season two, like, hey, we got Sheridan. That was fine. And then season one was Midnight on the Firing Line. It's a pretty good episode. That was a good episode. It's just not a good, uh, that, I still say that felt more like a middle of the season type of an episode, but understanding where Babylon five goes now, I see why they started with, Hey, the Narn and Centauri are jerks to each other. And we're going to establish that in the first episode. I get well, that. It's the first two and a half seasons, you know? So, yeah, but this, but definitely hour of the wolf was f- phenomenal, fantastic opening season. You know, uh, I'm going to rank this as number two on the opening. Really? 
Yeah. I think I put this one. I think I've got Hour of the Wolf and then Points of Departure and then this one. I really enjoyed Points of Departure. Okay. That's that was the season three one, right? Points season of two. Matters of Honor was season three. Oh, uh, points of uh so the one where we got Sheridan. Yeah. No, that's points of departure. Yeah, when we got Sheridan. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. Peak of Onova, great of Onova. Lots of yeah. really good stuff in that one. We got the Trigati um and, and some dive into the Minbari stuff. Yeah, it was a that was a I don't know. I, really looking back, all of them were I mean, even, like we said, even Midnight of the Firing Line was I remember it being a good episode. It took us two other episodes before we were just like, I don't know if I want to watch this show anymore between Infection and Soul Hunter. But we also knew that, though, going into that, Jeff. Remember that? Yeah. Like, we knew we were like, hey, early seasons are real rough. We were prepared. Well, Brent, that's it for No Compromises. Next week, we are watching The Very Long Night of Londo Malari for the first time. It's a Londo episode, unless it's like whatever happened to Mr. Garibaldi and he wasn't in it, but for like 32 seconds. Right. Well, we're going to guess, we're going to play our game, our prediction game, our time to pay the piper game that we'll pick up next week when we have to pay, we have to pay the piper on what we guess. We know only the title. That's all we've looked at, nothing else. And we like to guess what the next episode is going to be about based on that. Brent, what do you think the very long night of Londo Malari is going to be about? I, I got it. And this one's hundred percent accurate. I'm taking my crown back next week. Jeff. Calling it. Here's what it is. You ready? We were told at the end of last season that Londo was going to become the emperor in the early part of next year. It is the early part of next year. This is the episode where Londo returns to Centauri Prime. I don't know that he fully assumed, like, I don't know that he's coronated or whatever as emperor, but he's taking on those duties. And it's like his first night, like kind of on the job, right? Maybe he does become full emperor, whatever. But he all he wants to do is go to sleep. But he keeps getting interrupted over the course of the night with state business or personal business. And he like, this is the job of the emperor. Like this, this is you got to it's politics. This is what we're doing. And it is the very long night of Londo Malari. Uh, and he's going to have to really have a, a, a self-examination of what he thinks about being the emperor. What do you think, Jeff? Almost exactly the same thing, right? He's going to go to Centauri Prime. He's going to be named emperor. They told like you said, they told us that was going to happen. Right. I think, though, it's not going to be so much him getting used to that rhythm and the responsibility and having the, you know, just say, hey, I just want to get some sleep. I think what's going to happen is this is his first time back on the home world since the whole Shadow Vorlon thing happened when the shadows were on the planet and the Vorlons were going to come blow Centauri Prime uh, away. And so I think this is going to be more of a deep dive into his trauma and he's going to have a long night tormented by nightmares right of the shadows of cartagia and just that time his last time on on centauri prime and i guess we'll find out next week thank you everybody for joining us don't forget to subscribe wherever you are watching or listening leave us a rating a review and please share this podcast share it with somebody who loves babylon 5 or is just about ready to fall in love with this incredible series so until next time hey jeff yeah man what's up you know, we never actually decided how we were going to end episodes for season five. Right. What, uh, do you have something in mind or does that mean we have to keep going? No, man, it's time to get the hell out of here. Initiating, getting the hell out of here. Maneuver. So the intro, Jeff, the, the, the new intro to season five, you know, you know what it is? Huh? It's a clip show. We oh my finally God. got a freaking clip show of Babylon 5. They did it. They did it.
<laughs> I Jeff, I feel like we've been set up for this since season two. All the way from the clip show without being a clip show. Right now, somebody, it wasn't a clip show. Yes, guys, it was. But it, without the clips. And then and then we there was another episode. Where, which one was it, Jeff? Was it the one with the reporter? No, 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 no. There was another one that was basically, oh, no, no. It was it was the, the season finale last week. Yeah. Well, there was there was the illusion of truth that was yeah. a clip show of clips that were happening at the moment. Right. Right. Because it was right. you know, stuff. Like that. Then there was deconstruction of falling stars. That was a clip show of things that have not Hadn't yet happened. happened. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and now we got an actual clip show of Babylon five. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. We have the clip show that was the clip show that is the clip show that will be. We got them all. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Oh, so good. It's so good. <laughs>